0: What will people 2,000 years from now think about us when they discover our browser histories? Because that's basically what we have for the Moche, a civilization that arose in the area of modern-day Peru some 2,000 years ago, well before the Incas. Now, they didn't have Google, but what they did have was pottery. And just like a browser working on your Google search, the potter worked the clay until finally producing a visual representation of what was on the minds of the moche. And to look at these pots, well, you would think that these people must have been obsessed with blowjobs and backdoor stuff and, well, a whole lot else, too. See, the pottery created by these people takes the form of naturalistic sculpture depicting what they were thinking about, including everything from animals to plants to warfare to realistic portraits of individual people. It's a pretty decent cross-section of their interests, and much like our browser histories today, a very large percentage of it is devoted to sex. But what can we really learn about a culture from its browser histories Or from its artistic depictions of sex. Does this really tell us how they got their rocks off? Or is it more complicated than that? That's what we're talking about in today's short shorts episode. I'm BT Newberg and this is the history of sex. The History of Sex is sponsored by Dr. Jillian Kenney, historian of women, sex, and magic in medieval Europe. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. Before we get started, I want to tell you about a great podcast called A History of the Inca. Not only does it go into the history of a fascinating people that gets far too little playtime, but it also goes into the cultures that preceded the Inca, like the subject of our episode today, the moche so if you are looking for a deeper introduction to the moche and other early civilizations of the andes mountains region you will love a history of the inca all right time for today's short shorts short short short, short, short. short. Okay, before we get into the good stuff, we have to give a little bit of background on the Moche. This is a history show after all, and we have to maintain at least a veneer of respectability, right? Sure, so here we go. The Moche, also called the Mochica, arose on the north coast of modern-day Peru, around 100 CE and flourished until about 700 CE. They disappeared long before the Spaniards ever arrived. Now they were not a unified empire, but a conglomeration of separate centers of power, not unlike how the city-states of ancient Greece were. And they subsisted on fishing and farming with a particularly advanced irrigation system that was central to their culture and religion seems to have been quite central as well, and they constructed monumental architecture like Huaca del Sol and Huaca de la Luna. Now, they had no form of writing, so we have no written record telling us what was on their minds, but we do have their pottery. Actually, it's more like sculpture than pottery because although they have functional spouts and all of that, they are typically formed in the shape of people and things from their world, and that gives us a tantalizing clue into what they were thinking. But trying to grasp moche culture from these sculpture pots is kind of like future archeologists trying to grasp our culture from our browser histories. You just get snapshots of what people were viewing, and then you are left to infer what it meant to them. Now, sometimes the context in which things are found can give us a clue. But in the case of the moche, we're kind of stuck because of the more than 100,000 pots that we have at this point, almost all of them were looted and sold on the antiquities market with no clue as to the context in which they were found. Those rare few pots that have been unearthed with proper archaeological method, only about 5% of all the pots, have almost all been grave goods involved in funerary burials, But that may simply just reflect the fact that, you know, things get preserved in the earth. And stuff in other contexts may have been looted more easily or eroded away by surface conditions. So we don't really know. But on the other hand, one thing we can at least say is that of those grave goods, they were not all exclusively found in one type of area. For example, not all in those huge monumental complexes. They have also been found in small villages. So it does not seem to be a case of exclusive use by elites or something like that. But beyond that, it's really a case of your guess is as good as mine. And it does keep you guessing because the most intriguing part of it all is of course the sex pots. About 500 to 800 pots have been found that are erotic in nature. They show a variety of different sex positions, missionary, doggy style, a kind of spooning position lying side by side on a couch. They also show a variety of partners, male and female, male and male. There's some controversy about that one that we'll get into in just a second. We have not found any female-female couplings, which is interesting but there are human and animal pairings, and there's even sex with skeletons shown. That's right, skeletons. How does that work? I don't know, Asked the Moche. Now, naturally, what all this makes you think of straight away is, well, this must have something to do with fertility rituals, right? But what's really peculiar about these sex pots is that they almost never show procreative sex vaginal penetration is almost never depicted. Instead, the moche pots bring to life all kinds of non-procreative sex, particularly blowjobs and anal intercourse. We know it's anal and not vaginal because of the angle of penetration, and because in some cases, the artist has actually lovingly crafted visible genitals quite apart from the point of penetration. So it's fairly clear. Now, as for the question of heterosex versus same-sex couplings, like I said, that's a little controversial because reasons. Basically, first, the slant in academia has long been toward not discussing same-sex kind of stuff. That's changing now, but for a long time that's how it was. And second, local Peruvian nationalism has often made the claim that there was never such a thing as same-sex mating among their proud ancestors. So there are kind of nationalistic, ideological barriers to identifying these things. But if you look at these pots, it's like, come on, seriously. I mean, these pots distinguish gender pretty clearly by clothing markers, with men almost always wearing hats and women almost always having long hair with braids. So it's usually pretty clear once you know what signs to look for. But, for the reasons that I just stated, archaeologists have bent over backwards to interpret all the pots as heteronormative couplings, even when that definitely does not seem to be the case. Now, we do have at least one indisputable instance where it is unquestionably male-male, because both penises are clearly depicted, and tellingly, this particular pot was badly damaged and glued back together, and thus some scholars suspect there was some kind of a purge at some kind where ideologically embarrassing couplings were destroyed en masse. Of course, there are also scholars that claim that this particular one is a fake, but it doesn't seem to be. Anyway, it seems, at least to me, to be pretty clear that male-male sex was part of the Moche Artistic Register. And if that is the case... It only adds to the mysterious question of what all these pots mean for moche culture. I mean, does it mean that the moche accepted same-sex couples in their society? And is there some way that that could possibly play into a fertility theme? Or is it something else entirely? The fact of the matter is that things are complicated. It does actually get pretty difficult to infer the thoughts of people from just the images that they surrounded themselves with. Whether that's our browser history today, or the pots of the moche back then. I mean, sometimes it isn't what it looks like. Maybe these pots don't represent the moche's favorite positions and partners, but something else entirely. I mean, after all, some of these pots show skeletons masturbating or penetrating a partner. I mean, how does that work? That's not exactly a realistic depiction right there, so what could it mean? Maybe there is some kind of metaphor going on here. So what are some of the possible explanations for these pots other than, you know, what it looks like? One suggestion put forward by anthropologist Mary Wisemantle is that these pots, with their concentration on non-reproductive acts, do represent fertility, but of a different kind. While vaginal intercourse may have represented fertility of the person, Maybe other kinds of intercourse represented fertility of the land, for example. That would explain the peculiar presence of skeletons, maybe that's ancestors. Perhaps the power of the ancestors granting fertility to the land is what is being depicted here. The moche may have chosen non-reproductive sex as a metaphor to communicate this kind of religious theme. They were an agricultural people, after all, with a heavy investment in irrigation, so the symbolism of fluid exchange would seem apt enough to represent fertilizing the land. And making the sex non-reproductive makes it clear that they're talking about something else besides normal human fertility. So, maybe? Another possibility put forward by Heather Wiley is that Maybe the Moche didn't think of anal or blowjabs as non reproductive. Maybe to the Moche, these acts were. Reproductive. That may seem strange to us, but then again other cultures have radically different ways of conceiving these sorts of things I mean as we discussed in our opening series on hunter-gatherers the Ache of Paraguay as well as a number of tribes in the Amazon region believe that pregnancy requires a piling up of semen which may come from multiple partners that are all equally the father of the child in their conception you can have multiple fathers Moreover, if luck holds, we'll also have an episode at one point on the Aztecs, which also have some pretty unique views on what goes into fertility. And likewise, the moche may have conceived of conception in a very different way than what we're used to. So who knows? Maybe they thought that you needed to fertilize every possible orifice in order to make a baby. I don't know. It could be any number of things, and so maybe these pots do, in fact, represent some kind of fertility theme. Maybe? Now, there are other scholarly speculations out there, with varying degrees of merit. One, for example, suggests that these are actually symbols of domination of a ruler over his subjugated peoples. Yeah, that seems a little bit of a stretch to me, though, because, you know, I could see that if it was an imperial culture that we were talking about, but... The moche weren't that. They were a conglomeration of separate power centers, so it just doesn't seem to fit very well. And we could go into others, but I think you get the point, which is there are a number of possible metaphorical interpretations for these pots. Maybe it's not what it looks like is a perfectly valid explanation. Or maybe it is what it looks like. You know, the final way that we could explain this is they don't represent anything. They represent exactly what it looks like. They're just straightforward representations of something the moche really loved, sex. I mean, to quote Freud, sometimes a banana is just a banana. It could very well be that moche artists had nothing particularly metaphorical in mind at all, but were simply reflecting to the best of their ability the vibrant life that they saw around them. Maybe the real answer for why the moche depicted so much non-reproductive sex is because it feels good they liked it. Maybe it really just is what it looks like. Maybe the moche, if they were here today and we found their browser history, would just say, heck yeah, i meant to that. And so what? And maybe that's all there is to it. Unfortunately, we will never know. So what can we say for certain about the moche based on these pots? Well, all scholarly controversy aside, I would venture that we can conclude At least three things for sure. First of all, we know something about their sexual repertoire. That is, we know some of the sex acts that they were aware of and thus could potentially engage in. I mean, if a particular position or partner pairing is depicted in sculpture, it's a pretty sure indication that the people who made it were at least imagining the possibility, whether or not they actually took part in that particular practice. And that's significant, because not all cultures have the same sexual repertoire. Different cultures did it different ways. I mean, the ancient Mesopotamians, for example, as we have seen on this show, never depict or mention oral sex. They either weren't aware of it, or, more likely, had some kind of prejudice against it for some reason. But we know that that was definitely not the case for the moche because of these pots. To judge by these pots, the Moche might be the most blowjob happy people in history. However, this does lead us into our second sure thing. We know that the Moche chose not to depict Conalingus. Despite having no reservations whatsoever about fellatio, they never seem to show cunnilingus. In 500 to 800 erotic pots out there, there is not a single instance of going down on a woman. I mean, maybe we just haven't found those particular pots yet, but it seems that this was not something moche artists chose to depict. Now, does that mean that they never did it? Not necessarily, no. It could mean that, or it could mean that they had some kind of prejudice against it. Or... If these pots were symbolic and semen had a symbolic meaning crucial to their message, then any act that did not involve semen may have simply been irrelevant to the artist's purpose so they're not going to depict it. Because, you know, come to think of it, we don't see fingering either, or dildos. And we don't find female-female same-sex couplings at all. Unless we just haven't found the right pots, it seems there always has to be a male presence of some kind. And that's interesting in its own right. But even when there is a male involved, that male is never going down on a female. For whatever reason, the moche did not immortalize the breakfast of champions. Now the last thing that we know for sure is that whatever prejudices they may or may not have had against cunnilingus they definitely did not have a prejudice against depicting sex in general. It is clear that these pots shy away from nothing, nor does this appear to be dirty stuff. I mean, it doesn't seem to be manufactured for people to just get their rocks off and then discard it. On the contrary, this is high-quality craftsmanship made with loving attention to detail. It is as graphic as it gets, yet it is clearly art. The moche considered sex to be perfectly acceptable viewing material. There's no covering your kid's eyes here. There's no making sure that granny doesn't see. It's just right out there in the open. No big deal. Not just no big deal, but beautiful. It's art. Sex for the moche was art. That much seems pretty clear. And maybe if we are really honest with ourselves and honest about our browser histories, well, maybe, just maybe, sex might be art for us, too. Well, that's all I've got for today on The Moche. Like I said, if you want to learn more, you can check out the episode on them from the podcast A History of the Inca, and there's also an episode on their pots from the podcast Queer as Fact, which I found very useful in preparing this episode. So check out those shows for more. We'll be back next week, maybe, with an episode on the Aztecs or the Plains Indians. I'm not quite sure yet because, well, let's just say that the creative process is fickle. (laughs) But whatever it is, it will be good. Folks, if you like what we're doing here, you can support the show by subscribing, rating, and reviewing, or you can pledge on Patreon, where $5 a month gets you a portrait drawn in the time period and culture of your choosing. I will draw you lovingly spooning with a skeleton, or whatever you want. I'll make you look awesome, I promise. Just go to www.patreon.com slash btnewberg. That's patreon.com slash btnewberg. I'll see you next time, folks. I'm BT Newberg, and this is the History of Sex. Podcast theme music mixed from tracks by Kevin McLeod. For additional credits, references, photos, and more, see our website at www.historyofsexpod.com.